Hello and welcome to another edition of Your Money, Your Life. I'm your host, Alfred Edmund Jr., Senior Vice President, Executive Editor-at-Large for Black Enterprise. This episode of Your Money, Your Life is being brought to you by Prudential. Listen, we are operating in really unique uh, economic times. We, we just came through and are recovering from the economic shutdown of a recession, excuse me, of COVID. And we're looking at the threat of recession. We're dealing with inflation. And all of these factors have been a big reason why a trend that's already been established is accelerating, which is people who have careers and jobs, but also have side gigs or even full-time businesses. Or the flip side, they had a career, I mean, they had a business and a side gig, and now they're taking on a full-time job to supplement their income. Either way, people are really leaning into this multiple streams of income. So we're going to talk today about managing your finances with multiple streams of income. And we have the perfect guest for this conversation, the founder and creator of Dualpreneur, Dualpreneurship, the author of several books, including her two most recent, The Dualpreneur Bible and uh, Four Financial Languages, Tara Jackson, also known as Madam Money. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you for having me. Uh, we were just talking before we started the show, everybody. Uh, Tara was one of the very first guests of Your Money, Your Life. Uh, before we were doing this the way we did it since post-pandemic with this kind of remote video style, she was actually in studio with me at the offices of Black Enterprise. So it's so good to have you back as one of our original guests of Your Money, Your Life to kind of help the show get off the ground. Absolutely. You know, this is great other than the snowstorm, you know, that we had that first time we, we did it. So this is much better. Yeah, we, we, we can't get trapped, trapped at the office. Exactly. So listen, it was interesting. Most people don't think about the kind of the positive sides of doing this virtually, but that was a big one. We almost got stuck. We almost that got was stuck. a really big one, yeah. So talk to me about what's happening um, with you. Uh, I think you just had the SideGigCon, the second year of SideGigCon. Side it's, it's actually the third year. Oh, it's the third um, year. It's the oh, yeah. third year, and this year I know I got to did, speak last year, so I, I counted as my first. Oh, okay, right, right. <laughs> and we did it. We did something different this year. We decided to do hybrid. So there's a lot of extroverts that really want to be in person, and there's still us introverts that are okay with it being virtual. You know, uh, virtual. And so SideGigCon was built to be a virtual conference because of the pandemic. It was birthed out of the need. You know, the need from pandemic. And but this year we decided to do it together. You know, one, uh, you know, one logistical nightmare. But I had to have two. You know, gluttony, gluttony for punishment, obviously. But it, it was um, in person in Atlanta, Georgia. It went. It, it was phenomenal. One day was full virtual, and the next day was hybrid. So the people virtually could see what the people that were in person could see as well. And uh, you know, the same expert you know a lot of different experts but the same amount of amazing information to help people with side gigs to grow them into prosperous businesses that they can monetize and supplement or sometimes replace their full-time income especially if they're being laid off furloughed you know uh you know a lot of people are dealing with that now you know, with the you're a unique guest for for the show and obviously on, on multiple platforms we featured you at, at black enterprise over the years because you you have that again dualpreneur is fitting because you're a personal finance influencer and you're an entrepreneurial influencer you you, have, you, you wear both hats or bring you know both both uh skill sets to the game if you will 
Um, so, you know, and that's re reflected in the books that you've authored. Um, still my, probably my personal favorite because it was your first one, Financial Fornication. Um, then of course your two most recent, which I had the pleasure of writing the forwards to, thank you, uh, Four Financial Languages, The Secrets to Communicating About Money, and The Dualpreneur Bible, yep. Ten Commandments to Starting a Successful Side Business. Talk about the impact of those books and how that, that also um, fed into your whole uh, expertise of, of, of dualpreneurship and this kind of juggling um, being an entrepreneur but being a career careerist at the same time. Yeah, the Financial Fornication, which was my freshman book, um, it was really my ode to my, um, my my dysfunctional relationship with money and credit. And, you know, I figured if I'm dealing with this, other people could be dealing with this. And what I didn't want people to feel like is that they were dealing with this alone. You know, I was a financial executive and I was dealing with dysfunctional relationships with money and credit. And, um, you know, I even wrote... Um, well, this is coming soon, so this is a little sweet peek. Only you all will know this. Right. I'm offering another book called the, um, the Confessions of a Financial Fornicator, right? And so one of my confessions is the foreclosure confession. And I went through foreclosure when I was an executive of a financial institution. Okay? And there were logical reasons why I did what I did, but um, a lot of people needed to know that they weren't alone. But people are very sketchy about talking about money. And credit, right? They they rather talk about you know personal things, personal relationships, but they don't want to talk about money mistakes. So I, I saw a commercial about Hardee's, and it was a sexy campaign, and they were using sex to sell cheeseburgers. So my thinking was, if sex can sell a cheeseburger, it can sell financial literacy, and it actually did. And that's where financial fornication came about, where I was talking about how I was promiscuous I with my credit cards, more than one, don't judge me. Um, and I ended up with financial STDs, substantially tremendous debt, you know? And so I figured because I created the cures, other people would need the cures. So that was very helpful to a lot of people to be able to giggle and to learn at the same time. Uh, my second book was out of the need because a lot of marriage counselors were calling me in to translate or, or to interpret and translate the miscommunication about money between couples because the marriage counselors, they're not financial experts, nor do they play one on TV. And so they call me in to actually be that interception or that, that um, translator. And so over the years with my research, I realized that there were four dominant financial languages that we speak, which is saving, spending, investing, and giving. And we speak in different languages. Is that's why savers and spenders argue about money. That's why savers and investors argue about money. And uh, I, I figured there had to be a way that we could be physically bilingual, where we can learn the different languages that suit us um, when we need them the most, or to be able to communicate with our partners, whether it's our spouses, our children, our business partners. It was very important for us to communicate. Just like we have love languages, we also have financial languages. And then dualpreneur, it was just out of a need, you know, I, I coined the phrase dualpreneur, but nobody really understood what dualpreneur is and how you can leverage being a dualpreneur at your job without getting fired. Go figure, right? This is not talking about stealing pins 
pens and paper and copies and all of that stuff. This is taking the benefits that they're already giving you and leveraging them to start and grow a side business. So, at, you know, at one point when I was a dualpreneur, they didn't give raises because they couldn't afford to give raises. But I gave myself a raise because I was a dualpreneur. I had that side business so I can give my raises. So whether my job gave me a raise or not, I was able to control that extra stream of income with that. So I, I'm a firm believer that you do not jump off a, a mountain or you don't jump off that cliff and figure out how to build that plane unless you have a parachute. <laughs> you can do it, but make sure you have a parachute. Make sure you keep that job until you have something that can sustain your lifestyle. Well, you already know, again, I'm a fan of yours. I was a big fan of financial fortification. I was very honored that you asked me to write the, the uh, forward for the four financial languages. Um, those of you who know my background in terms of being a co-founder of Grown Zone Relationship Education. Um, and, and my firm belief that you can't separate financial health from relationship health because those things integrate. I'm sure the counselors you work with, um, you know, marriage counselors and others, experts point out to financial challenges being the number one kind of characteristic of failed marriages. And then dualpreneur um, came along at the right time because I I didn't have a name for what I was doing, but obviously I have a full-time job and a 35-year career at Black Enterprise, but I also do a bunch of other stuff outside of Black Enterprise, but I didn't know what to call it. And I didn't think of them as side gigs. So I didn't, you know, they were side gigs, but I thought I took those things as seriously as my career at Black Enterprise. And yes, my, my career at Black Enterprise gives me the kind of stability and brand recognition that makes my other, you know, uh, ventures and uh, opportunities more plentiful and more valuable. So when you came up with Dualpreneur and you say you're writing the Dualpreneur Bible and asking why I would write the forward, I was like, yes, because I'm living that life. I am living that life. I just didn't have a name for it. <laughs> so so the, the Dualpreneur... Yes, you are my you are my classic. I always said you were my classic. Oh, see, I, I'm so honored. I love you that. Are my so, um, but, but for the sake of this conversation, I do want to talk a little about dualpreneurship because the other thing that I think that made me really appreciate your creating the not only coining the term but creating a meaning and in, in a, a lexicon and a culture around that term is that traditionally, and you kind of hinted at it already, we, we're thinking I got to choose between all in on this career and my business is kind of a dirty little secret or I'm betraying my business because I'm still keeping my job. And you really kind of took away any kind of guilt and shame on, on either side to say, there's no reason to choose. And now we're in an economy where what used to be kind of taboo is really the way you build wealth, the way you, know, you manage your career over the decades because you have job changes, businesses come and go, jobs come and go. Talk about, about you being, I would say, even ahead of the curve in terms of anticipating, and this is even before the pandemic, anticipating this idea that it wasn't one or the other, that we live in an economy that, you know, um, that really requires you to do both. Yeah, the, it's important for people to really understand that everyone's always talking about multiple streams of income. You got to have multiple streams of income. You need multiple streams of income, right? Um, but nobody wants to have the reasonable, reasonable fact or, or accept the reasonable fact that your job is a part of that multiple stream of income. It is one stream of income. And your job is to figure out other ways that you can monetize your talents to complement or to add to your streams of income. 
So I wanted to dispel this myth that I had to suffer. I don't get I don't get any type of medal. I don't get any type of award for suffering financially to be a full-time entrepreneur when I'm not ready. There's no award for that. If anything, there's a lot of suffering, a lot of headaches. You get sick because you're stressed out about money. So why not take away that stress, sustain your lifestyle, and then build your multiple streams of income around that to a point where your multiple streams of income may supersede the income you're getting from your job. Now you can have a different conversation or make different decisions, right? So you think about a, a, a dual engine plane. A plane only needs one engine to fly, but it has two engines at least for fail safe and thrust, right? So fail safe, if one of those engines conk out, you have another engine to keep you in the air. And if you want to move faster and go faster, you have another engine to thrust you. That's the same thing with being a dualpreneur. You have dual income streams. You have multiple income streams. So if one of your income streams fails, you get furloughed, you you um you you get laid off or whatever, you have your other streams of income that can at least keep you financially in the air. Or what if one your financial or what if your other jobs or your side gigs don't work out? At least you have your main gig to sustain your lifestyle. How about you just want to pay off debt faster? You want to increase your investing. You want to increase your savings. Well, those side gigs help to thrust, to help you move faster towards your financial goals. So when we have a different perspective on how our job can be a part of our multiple streams of income, that takes all of that monotony that I keep hearing about, oh, you got to be in your entrepreneurial venture full time or you're not an entrepreneur. That's a little crock, especially if you've never been an entrepreneur before. You don't know what you don't know, so it's best to at least have some training wheels or parachute so that you can learn while you grow and you have a safety net. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that safety net because the other factor, depending on where you work with your main job, that it takes time for your business to grow to the point where you can provide it for your business are things like health health insurance, um, 401k retirement, if, if you don't if you have a 401, a 413b, I believe it is, for businesses. You know, th there are certain things that come with the job that go beyond what you get in your paycheck every, every two weeks that in the beginning of a new business, you may not be able to provide through your business, or it may not be cost, it would be a lot more costly to do through a small business than if you do it for a larger company. So that safety net issue as you transition, and as you said, if the business really you know grows to the point where now you, you, gotta, you gotta make some decisions about whether you wanna maintain that career, um, if the business is, is, is now throwing enough, enough revenue and, and it has enough of a size that you can provide that safety net through the business, you have that conversation when you get there. But Tara, you know, so many entrepreneurs never get there because they don't have the safety net of a, a regular income and the business fails and it never gets to that point, which is usually five to 10 years down the road of, oh, I don't really need this job anymore. I can, I, I can focus on building this business. Yeah. yeah, Alfred, a lot of people think that you can be, a lot of people want to be an overnight success that if you know if you build it they will come scenario right and so I, I liken it to one of my best friends talked about how david uh, of david and Goliath. david was actually an overnight success right but it took him years to become an overnight success right he spent years slinging that stone to perfect his craft before there was a goliath he spent years and years doing that 
And that opportunity, when Goliath came, he was then able to use what he established over years to sling that shot and kill Goliath. But had not Goliath came, there would not have been an overnight success of David. But David would have continued to hone on his craft. A lot of people want to start their business, put it out there, and think it's just going to be an overnight success. Most overnight success people have been honing their crafts for years and years, and it was that one opportunity that presented them as an overnight success. And so you need something to sustain that lifestyle while you're honing in on your craft, so when the opportunity presents itself, you are then the overnight success. But you don't have to struggle financially to get there. Hold that thought, Tara, and, and then when we come back and continue the discussion, I want to get to the nitty-gritty of the financial tips. That Again, guys, you can find a lot of this in the Dualpreneur Bible. You definitely need to get that book um, if you want to not only survive but thrive as a dualpreneur. Uh, but when, I, I want you to go through some specific financial tips uh, for people who are actual dualpreneurs or who aspire to dualpreneurship. In the meanwhile, everyone needs a rock. Prudential knows the importance of having a rock in your life. A rock can help turn the far-fetched into within reach, and when you have one, you can reach your potential, your dreams, and your goals. And when it comes to your financial goals, Prudential is the rock you can rely on. With your knowledgeable financial professionals, Prudential can help you get to new heights. Plan, invest, insure, and retire. Visit Prudential.com. Who's your rock? Well, Tara, that, that dovetails right back at you. You're saying, how, how, what kind of altitude can you reach and, and what can you rely on to get you there um, in terms of just financial stability and financial security as you're building your business? But let's get right into it. What, what are some key um, financial tips that you have for people who are managing multiple streams of income as a dualpreneur, someone with a business and, and a career? One of the tips is to leverage your employee benefits, right? Leverage those employee benefits. You have PTO, paid time off. A lot of people want to take the paid time off or sick or uh, for their um, vacations and all that. Why not take some of the PTO? Because a lot of people are banking a lot of PTO. And I'm like, for what? You know what I mean? So some take some take that time off. You earned it. You you worked for that time off. Take that off to focus on your business because a lot of people are doing their business after work on the weekends sometimes you need to take time off to really focus on your business the second thing is a lot of uh, organizations will pay you to get educated whether it's uh, tuition reimbursement going to co uh, conferences or whatever find something that's going to hone your skill set at your job that can also help you in your business as well Okay. The third thing is pay attention to the departments around you. You're able to be excellent at what you do because there are other people in other departments doing their jobs so that you can focus on your job. When you're an entrepreneur, those departments don't go away. You either have to do them or delegate them. Okay. And the dualpreneur way is to do it, delegate it, or delete it. And so when you have those different things, when you're talking about a accounting, bookkeeping, um, your legal aspects, there's still human resources, sales, marketing, all of those departments still exist. It depends on what you're going to do with those. So learn the different departments, pay attention, establish relationships with people and other departments, because that's going to help you with your business. 
And then the last thing I, I want to share is really think of your side gig as an, a true business. Legitimize your business, okay? You can't get tax write-offs or tax breaks with a side hustle. You have got to legitimize your business. And also, banks don't fund ideas. Banks fund legitimate businesses. So that means that you need to have your taxes in place, your financials in place. Get all of that in place so when you're ready to get capital or you're ready to go to a financial institution, they are open to funding your legitimate business. Now, I want you to go a little bit more because it speaks to this idea of your job and your career in a way helping you to finance and fund the, the growth of your business and your growth as an entrepreneur. You talked about tuition reimbursement, attending conferences and, and the like, um, continuing education. Um, There's so many companies um, where it, it, as long as it's really tied to your, your, your job at the company, obviously, they're not necessarily paying you to grow your business. Mm -hmm. But I, I know I see so many people who work for companies that really provide great, generous benefits when it comes to tuition reimbursement or continuing education. And they don't necessarily take advantage of it, even though obviously it could help them professionally and could help them be better entrepreneurs. So you know, talk some more about that, that your company has resources, um, not just limited to tuition reimbursement. You talked about learning what other departments do. That helps your career, even if you don't grow your business, to know what the larger functionality of your company exactly. is in terms of career mobility um, and, and understanding what the value is. Just talk about more about how that the, being really invested in your career helps your business as much as being invested in your business helps your finances. Yeah, Alfred, you know what I found is a lot of people, it's about mindset as well, right? A lot of people hate their job, so they want to start a business. And let, let's let's clear that up right now. Hating your job is not a reason to quit your job and start a business. Don't do that. If you hate your job, quit and find another job. Get another job, okay? Um, but make sure you have a, find a new job that gives you more flexibility so that you can start other business or learn how to be an entrepreneur. I failed miserably the first time I was an entrepreneur, and I did it the wrong way. I quit my job and became an entrepreneur and didn't know what I was doing, so I failed miserably because I didn't pee right, okay? I didn't plan, prepare, position, or, pray, or praise myself correctly. I didn't plan for my exit. I didn't prepare financially for the exit. I didn't position myself with the right people for the exit, and I didn't praise, even if it's on social media as far as marketing, correctly. But I needed, a, I needed a coach, but I wasn't mentally ready at the time. And a lot of people have this mentality, I'm just going to go to work, do my job, and leave. That's not the mentality of an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is a troubleshooter. They go above and beyond the call of duty. They look for things to fix, um, even if they're not getting paid for it because they know it's going to improve them at developmentally as a person and professionally. And if that's not who you are, you're probably not going to make it as an entrepreneur because it requires that type of, you know, tenacity because you may not get paid for years, but you still have to be in the game. So that that's an exercise that a lot of people need to do. If you're not doing 100% or a little bit more at your job, you probably won't be ready to do it for yourself when things get really tight. Okay. Yeah, I, I tell people I tell people all the time, you know, there's nothing like the one thing to hate your job when you're working for somebody else is way worse when you hate your job when you're working for yourself. When you hate that. you you might have hated your boss at your old job, 
But when you're the boss and you hate it still, you're like, I hate it here. You really and you're, hate now your you're boss. the boss. <laughs> really, really. So that that's really just yeah. just wise counsel. Really wise counsel. You're about to say. Absolutely. The other the other thing is a lot of people are cheating on they feel like they're cheating on their their jobs, right? And so I tell people is don't keep your side gig a secret. The first thing before you blast it out to everyone is you need to check that human resources guide. You need to see if you're even in compliance because some jobs may have a moonlighting clause. Most of them don't have that anymore. Um, a lot of things you want to check your conflict of interest. Make sure what you're doing is not in conflict to what you do at your job because that could cost you your job whether you tell them or not. If somebody finds out or whatever that you're doing something and it's in conflict, you're going to get fired. So you want to make sure you protect yourself. And if you don't know, ask human resources. Hey, I'm about to start this business. This is what it's going to do. Is there going to be a conflict? You know, what do you need to do? Because it's less stress on you if you don't have to hide it. You, you know, it's like being in a, in a relationship and you're cheating on your spouse. And the more you have to lie, the more stressed you're going to be. So you need to be honest with the person. You need to be honest with the organization and honest with yourself as well. Because if you want to keep it hidden, it's not going to flourish into a profitable business. It's just not. It's just going to be what it is, which is a side side hustle with that. So I tell a lot of people there's a way to do it. And the biggest thing is make sure, if you're an attorney and you do banking, uh, you do uh, baking, you like to cook or whatever, it's not a conflict of interest. If anything, they may hire you to, to do certain things. I've had several, I have several of my clients when they told their, their job what they do they actually got contracted for their side business to do things for the company and so that helped them leverage and what i really hope alfred is that companies businesses embrace dualpreneurship it's a unique type of person that can be a dualpreneur because you know if you have a dualpreneur on your staff they are going to think outside the box they are troubleshooters they are entrepreneurial spirits and they stay at the job because they love what they do. You know what I'm saying? A lot of companies think that if they, you know, learn how to be an entrepreneur, they're going to leave. Most people are not because it's going to take a while for them to make the money that they're making at the job to sustain their lifestyle. So if anything, if you teach them how to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have someone that's more faithful because you help them get those extra streams of income. Also, if you can't give them a raise, you've taught them how to earn more money. And so they're going to be thankful for you for that. And if you help them with the flexibility, with the education and all that, they probably will never leave you. You know, you, you make such a great point. And a lot of companies have eliminated the kind of moonlighting clause that restricts or, or forbids, um, you know, employees having outside businesses, um, especially in the current environment, because there's such a competition for talent now. You know, yes. companies are having trouble hiring. And, and obviously so now they're, they're, it's kind of you're, you're in a buyer's market as a valued employee because there's so many other people willing to hire you. Um, but your point is really well taken about if you're able to do this in a way that is, that actually accrues to some benefit to the company, that, that makes you more loyal to the company, um, that, that helps the company say, well, I can't give you a raise, but I can be more cooperative about what you do, um, you know, other things that you can do to help improve your financial situation. You're right. It increases the loyalty on both sides. The, the company has an employee that they know is really bringing value and has and, and really appreciate um, the company sh you know showing that they actually care 
And the employee is like, yeah, I got this stable job. I got my benefits. I got my relationships. Because there's other the social aspect of having a job is you got a team of people you work with that, that sometimes being an entrepreneur can be a lonely place. So there's, there's other elements besides did I get a raise this year and how big is my compensation that makes you want to keep your job, even if you are passionate about growing a new business. In your final thoughts, if you go ahead. No, so go ahead. I have a lot Please. of people with their salary. I have a lot of people. I have a lot of people with um, with salary negotiation. Okay, and a lot of times when they do have side businesses, a part of the salary negotiation is one be upfront with them and say, "Hey, I do this on the side. Is this a conflict of interest?" Most of the time, company is going to say, "No, as long as you do your job and it's on time and you do perfection, you know, with excellence, you're fine." Right. The other thing is. If they can't give you more money, then now is your opportunity to start asking for more benefits. Do you have tuition reimbursement? Do you pay for college? Um, may I have more time off? Can I telecommute more? There's so many opportunities to negotiate, not just with money, but negotiate the flexibility that's going to help you with your side business. So I've had several clients that may not have gotten, you know, the six figures that they wanted, but they got the high five figures, but they have a amazing flexibility so they can build on their their side business that's giving them the extra money to get them in the six figures yeah that, that, again that, that was my experience when you know when now going back whew, seven years since i stepped down from being chief content officer of black enterprise it became senior vp executive editor at large the flexibility actually made me more valuable in the marketplace while i'm still delivering value as a as a you know a senior executive and an employee of black enterprise so you're right, uh, you know, uh, it, it's not always that they can give you a raise or give you the promotion. If they can give you flexibility, if you get more time off that you can work, you know, work on other things. If you actually get, get tuition reimbursement, um, if there's other things that they can do to support you. And your, your other point about many entrepreneurs, their first big client is their former employer. You know, current or former, but they're, how, you know, they're like, I left the company, how, but now I do consulting for it used to be my, my, my employer. Exactly. How about um, your first major investor of your business is your job, okay? The reason why you can have a website, the reason why you can pay for ads, the reason why you can get a graphic designer, the reason why you can, you know, get the coach, invest in business coaching is because your job is paying you enough to be able to have that disposable income to invest in your business. So your job is more than likely going to be your first capital investor of your side businesses. Oh, that's a great point. And, and the other thing is, in terms of learning systems, because it's, I decided to learn this the hard way, it's more than an idea, is how can you uh, consistently replicate at a, at a certain level of quality the product or service you offer. That's systems. Guess where the best place to learn systems? Usually your job, because a large company is built on systems. So you kind of, well, how does you know accounts payable and receivable work? How does the delivery process work? How does e-commerce work? And again, a lot of times your employer becomes your first customer because they're like, you already know how our systems are set up. So as a vendor or as a consultant or whatever you're doing with us, you already know how we operate. You know how our payment terms, you know the culture here, and therefore you're, you're, you're almost a part of the culture, even if you're now working outside the company. I mean, so there's just so many, you know, great benefits 
um, and great ways to leverage our, from either side, career to business, a business to career. And again, that's why I, I just think what you do um, as, again, as a, as a person, a financial educator, as well as an entrepreneurial educator and bringing those two together in a way that's really relevant for today's economy um, is really, really important. Listen, Tara, what's the best way for, for the Your Money, Your Life audience to keep up with what you're doing, to make sure they don't miss the next SideGigCon, to be on the lookout for the next book? Guys, this woman does great books. <laughs> they're not, they're educational, but they're fun to read. They're quick and fun to read. So just give us an idea of what's coming up next and how people can kind of stay on top of what you're doing. You can follow me um, everywhere as Ms. Madam Money, M-S-M-A-D-A-M-M-O-N-E-Y, or go to madammoney.com, M-A-D-A-M-M-O-N-E-Y. You can find me there. Um, reach out to me. would love to give you a virtual hug. Um, I have several other businesses, but you can connect with me there. Um, I just love being on here. My last point to everyone is that the IRS looks favorably on employers and entrepreneurs, not on employees. So instead of going for that second job, think about siding, think about starting that side gig. Oh man, that's a perfect point. You're always a perfect guest. Thank you, Tara, for joining me. I'm Alfred Evans Jr., Senior Vice President, Executive Editor at Large at Black Enterprise. This has been another edition of Your Money, Your Life, and this edition has been brought to you by Prudential. We'll see you next time. Good luck to all you dualpreneurs out there and to your aspiring dualpreneurs. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>